Hello, my name is Wendy Myers at MyersDetox.com. Welcome to the Myers Detox podcast, where we cover all kinds of topics related to heavy metal and chemical detoxification, supplements and detox protocols, and all kinds of biohacking and natural alternative health. Today we have Dr. Ashley Solomon on the show. She is going to be talking about natural pre-pregnancy planning and where do you fit in detox within the scope of planning a pregnancy. And we'll be talking about the top foods for detoxification. Can you detox or what can you do when you're pregnant and or breastfeeding? We talk about all the top metals and chemicals that affect a pregnancy that can affect your baby and how they affect your baby and a lot of the issues surrounding why people are having trouble with conception, with fertility. Uh, just a really, really interesting show and uh, Dr. Ashley's top 10 tips for detoxing your home. I know so many of you listening are concerned about the level of heavy metals you may have in your body. That's why I created heavymetalsquiz.com. You can go there and take this two minute quiz and learn about your relative levels of heavy metals you may have in your body. And I also have a free video series there where you can learn more about heavy metals and how to detox from your body, and more importantly, the next steps that you can take, what you can do today to begin removing heavy metals and chemicals from your body. So go to heavymetalsquiz.com. Dr. Ashley Solomon is a licensed medical doctor, board certified in family medicine, and a board member of the Academy of Integrative and Holistic Medicine. She also holds a BS in material science and engineering from MIT and a master's in electrical engineering from Princeton. In addition, she completed the specialty fellowship in integrative medicine from the University of Arizona, which is Andrew Wiles program. And she specializes in integrative, functional, natural, and supportive approaches to many chronic illnesses. You can learn more about Dr. Solomon and work with her at AshleySolomonMD.com. Dr. Solomon, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. So we're going to be talking about pre-pregnancy planning and the importance of, you know, environmental factors and, you know, heavy metals that can affect a baby. So uh, let's talk about this. What are in the environmental factors that can really dramatically impact fertility and pregnancy planning? Well, not to scare anyone, but I would say at the top of my list are heavy metals, especially mercury, because it is actually a hormone, an estrogen mimicker. So it's kind of in the category of estrogen mimicking hormones. So it can wreak quite a bit of havoc on fertility at really high levels. Uh, certain types of plastics, household chemicals, personal care products, herbicides and pesticides in food, hormones in food and water sources. Those would be my main ones. I, I think something that we're going to in the future start thinking about more as well are EMF fields, so electromagnetic field exposure from Wi-Fi and cell towers and our cell phones. Yeah, I agree with you. EMF is a huge, huge problem. And it's just, uh, it's really we're guinea pigs. I mean, there's not really any kind of research out there that shows the impact of 5G 
on on fetuses, is there? Um, not yet. And it's interesting. I really like to liken this to smoking in the 50s where so many people are smoking and nobody was really thinking about the, the health impact. And of course, now we have a completely different view on smoking to the point where it's even banned in many social places and bars and restaurants and airplanes. Yeah, I do think over time it will change. But unfortunately, right now, it's just we're in those early stages. I would say this. You can't control every factor with EMF if we're talking about that specifically right now. But cell phones have to stay out of the pockets and off the body for one thing. You know, I see a lot of men walking around with a cell phone pocket in their in the front of their pants. And there is potentially some association with testosterone levels. And it's just not a great idea to keep something with even low level ionizing radiation that close to your body. So that is one thing people can do right away. So Dr. Solomon, tell us about uh, the different chemicals and how they affect uh, or can impact fertility and pregnancy. A great question. It's estimated that there are over 70,000 non-natural chemicals, and then there's a thousand new ones we're making every year. And a good percent of the those are toxic to us in some form, unfortunately. You know, the ones I think about in the home and that are really easy to get exposed to are, uh, and many people know this one, BPA, which is in plastic. Fortunately, there's a lot of BPA-free plastic now to look for, but uh, it is a major estrogen mimicker and thus can affect fertility. So using you know, glass Tupperware, just finding ways to cut down, not drinking plastic bottles, all really great ideas to cut down a BPA. Next, parabens, which are found in shampoos, conditioners, shower gels, and lotions are also xenoestrogens or what we call estrogen mimicking. So that as well can affect fertility by imbalancing proper estrogen to progesterone ratios. Sodium lauryl sulfate and sodium, and excuse me, sodium laureth sulfate. SLES and SLS are also in many soaps, detergents, shampoos, cosmetics, and cleaners. Uh, same issue of most likely an estrogenic and, and potentially carcinogenic effect. And then pesticides and herbicides, which are unfortunately are in very high levels in foods in this country, especially non-organic food. And there is re research directly linked to infertility and then brain and developmental issues in babies and children. And then perk, which is from dry cleaning, is likely carcinogenic. So that would be both to the mom and to the baby. And then flame retardants, which are found in mattresses, even some baby clothes, foams, carpets, furniture. We don't even totally know everything they're doing, but they're, the, we know they're probably carcinogenic and those chemicals probably have other effects that uh, we should be concerned about long term. And then triclosane, which is really common in certain soaps and then non-natural hand sanitizers is a major hormone disruptor. So if you're washing your hands and cleaning them with certain hand sanitizers every day, it's not a great idea. Make sure you get a really organic, natural one. Um, and then the volatile organic compounds can be cancer-causing, and those are found in paints, cleaning supplies, pesticides, and building supplies. So of course, you know, uh, trying to get cleaner paints if you, you decide to paint your house when you're pregnant is a really good idea. Or the baby's room. <laughs> or the baby house and the baby <laughs> Exactly, when you're redoing the baby's room, for sure. And then um, trichloroethylene is actually directly a reproductive toxin, and that's found in paints, carpet cleaners, and varnishes. So, yeah, I mean, it's no wonder why uh, a lot of people today are having trouble conceiving can you talk a little bit about the fertility issues that so many women are struggling with today and how toxicity is contributing? Uh, for sure. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have 
enough studies to say it's exactly this is affecting this. What we do know is we're just being bombarded by so many things. Our, our heavy metal, especially mercury levels, are so much higher. And as I mentioned, that's also a xenoestrogen, so that can cause uh, estrogenic and fertility issues. Um, we're bombarded by these plastics all day. And it's just a lot of it's the high load we're getting over a year. So, it, it, of course, we there's nothing we can do to fully prevent it. We just have to be as clean and careful as possible once we start understanding this better. And then the other point is, you know, a lot of us are having children older. And the reality is it's the times we live in. I think women are going to continue to have ch having children older. So that just means we have to take care of our bodies better and keep them as, as uh, toxin-free as possible uh, within the world we live in. A couple tips on how to do that. You know, one, with I think I mentioned this, but reducing BPA. So use glass water bottles, glass Tupperware is a great idea, really. You're going to get exposed to plastic. I mean, when you go to a lot of grocery stores, even some organic foods are in plastic containers. There's only so much you can do, but when you're home and you can control it in the kitchen. Number two, use non-toxic uh, pans. And there are now ceramic, non-toxic, non-stick pans, because obviously everybody loves non-stick pans. They're a lot easier to clean. But be really aware that you have a more environmental one. And then number three, purchase paraben-free and SLS-free shampoos, soaps, detergents, lotions. It's a lot easier to do now. Number four, um, perchlorate. That can be gotten out of water with a reverse osmosis water filtration system. So again, getting good water filtration in the house. Uh, number five, pesticides and herbicides. Um, as we talked about, eating organic when you can. Can't always, but you try most of the time. And then um, six, the clean, cleaner uh, products in the house. Vinegar is a great agent. Now, essential oils are so strong. They kill so many bugs naturally, and they're good for the immune system. Um, orange oil, for instance, is a great, great essential oil for, for the house. And then... Um, and then a shoe-off policy, one other thing a lot of people don't think of, that would be number seven, because people um, often bring in pollutants and particulate on their shoes. So I tell people you can have like a slipper box at the front door, but taking shoes off is great. Eight, avoid using uh, toxic disinfecting wipes, like at the gym. You know, some of those wipes, and they just smell so strong, and you take them in your hand, you wipe down the machine, but then you're absorbing chemicals in your skin. So another thing to think about. And then um, nine, avoiding phthalates. So those are other plastics that are really bad for you. The good news is that if you avoid fragrances, that helps um, anything that says fragrance in any product, be it a detergent or a soap. And then avoiding plastic with the numbers three and seven. Numbers one, two, and five are actually safer. So a couple other things to think about. And then um, 10, you know, if you have carpet... It, and this is, again, one a financial thing. You have to do this when you're ready. But um, if you are going to reinstall carpet, you should get really clean carpet. And you can look at Environmental Working Group and some other places. And then lastly, depending where you live, a HEPA filter in the house to get up pollutants is a great idea. So, And regarding perfume, also perfume contains perfume. Yeah. <laughs> it contains fragrance. So perfume, right. avoid <laughs> products that have fragrance in them, but also don't spray it all over your body every day. Probably a good it, idea. <laughs> that, that is that is true as well. Yeah. And they are coming out with new, like, quote, unquote, fragrances, but they're made of essential oils only. So that's great. So yes. hope they're really finding ways around this, which is, is great. 
Yeah, and so I really wanted to do this show with you because I think it's so important for women if they're in their childbearing years or they're planning to get pregnant soon that they want to be thinking about doing a detox. They want to be thinking about getting mercury and lead and arsenic and other metals out of their body because that transfers via the umbilical cord to the fetus. So can you talk a little about that, about how mom's toxins are inherited uh, by the fetus, by the baby? Sure. I mean, one study I, I'm thinking of right off the top of my head, um, well, actually two interesting studies. One is from Japan, where they were looking at women who were taking chlorella in pregnancy. Not that that's recommended in this country, and I'm not saying to go and take that in pregnancy, but it is a mercury binder, and they were finding significantly lower levels of mercury in the fetus. So that's really interesting. So that does tell you what is going on in the bloodstream of the mom is definitely affecting the bloodstream and the baby toxicity wise. And then there was another study similar looking at how much mercury and heavy metal in the mouth from dental work was accumulating in the, in the baby. So you know, basically what we see in our bloodstream is going to be reflected in the fetus. Yes, we have a placenta. That's a great barrier, but it cannot detox everything out, especially in modern day. So does the placenta work to, to help to, you know, as a barrier from mom to the, to the fetus? For heavy metals specifically? Or, 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 just, or any toxins? I would, to some extent, it is definitely a filtration system. But given what the studies we've seen looking at levels in the mom and then levels in the fetus, it's all, they're always higher in the fetus and moms that have higher levels, for example, of mercury. So there's a definite impact. So not all of it is getting filtered out for sure. Would you recommend that women remove their mercury fillings prior to getting pregnant? I mean, I know the answer to this, but really just for any woman out there that's yeah. thinking about getting pregnant, you know, you want to think about the mercury fillings because there's lots of studies that show you know, the higher number of mercury fillings, the higher likelihood of autism and other, you know, developmental delays in the child. And from this urine study, the higher levels of mercury in the fetus as well. So, you know, I'm not a dentist and there are conflicting views, but the, I would say this, there are dentists called biological dentists that are certified to safely remove mercury amalgams. And women can look at iaomt.org, which is a database for the Biological Dentistry Society for people, for dentists certified in removing amalgams. That being said, as a medical doctor, I'm not really supposed to be saying whether to get them removed or not, but if you are going to, that is the safest way to do it. Okay, great. Yeah, good, good, good point there. And so what ways do you recommend detoxing uh, the home before getting pregnant? So you know, the environment's okay. incredibly important. And uh, actually, I started really learning a lot about detoxification when I was, you know, planning to get pregnant and reading the baby books and like remove all the, all the toxins, the organic cotton and doing all this stuff. And I thought, why am I not doing this for myself? If I'm doing it for my child. Right. And, and great point. And I do think, you know, the first step for women in childbearing years and really before getting pregnant. So it just kind of becomes a way of life is to look at the major toxic exposures in the house with that, I mean cleaning solutions, and there are so many great organic cleaning products out there now, and even just white vinegar is great for cleaning. So there's so many ways to clean more naturally or even just with soap and water. So looking at your cleaning products to make sure that they are 
non-toxic, looking at your products in the bathroom, like shampoos, conditioners, soaps. A lot of the liquid soaps have parabens in them or sodium lauryl sulfate, which are toxic chemicals and may affect cancer rates and a number of other problems. So get, getting cleaner products. Unfortunately, nowadays, there are so many great natural products out there. It's a lot easier that are either essential oil based or herbally based. And then also environmental working group is a great resource too. If you want to check out products like sunscreens, creams, makeup, organic makeup is another great new business that is really taking off just cleaner makeup. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to be thinking about every little thing that you're putting on your body or in your body, you have to evaluate it. So we're not talking about throwing out everything you've you've ever bought, which you know for some of them it's pretty expen- extensive and expensive. Yes. But you know, just when you go to buy something new, just think about it. Maybe research what a, a better product uh, could be out there. You know, you've got the ewg.org/skindeep, the SkinDeep database. So lots of resources out there to find healthier products. So let's talk about nutrition and pregnancy. So nutrition, obviously very important. So what nutritional changes do you recommend and even supplements for women that are wanting to get pregnant? That, that's a great question. I would say you know, we're all a little bit different and their blood type and constitution can affect if we might be better on a more Mediterranean diet or a more paleo diet or a more plant-based diet. But what I would say for sure is I tell all women to avoid sugar. Sugar affects yeast and candida levels in the body and it causes blood sugar dysregulation. It's just basically not good for us and find substitutes, which we can talk about in a moment. Also commercial dairy is full of hormones and it's really not that healthy for us. So I tell women, if you do dairy, goat and sheep are more digestible. And then if for cow and then in general, if you can get more grass fed, small farm, non-commercial sources of dairy. It's a lot cleaner, a lot more nourishing. And lastly, I do tell women across the board to start reducing gluten in their diet because the levels of glyphosate and herbicides and pesticides are so high in it. And it's so inflammatory, specifically in the U.S. Most gluten grains are really high in gluten. And there are a lot of great other options like buckwheat and quinoa and millet and amaranth and and other great options. Yeah, I mean, you do. In the U.S., you have to go gluten-free. I mean, it's just, like my mother was even having recurrent bladder infections, and as soon as she quit gluten, she stopped having them. She had, like, for a year, plagued with constant bladder infections, and and then that leads to, you know, antibiotics, and a a lot of people are just not really aware of the many different ways gluten can affect them, so you just don't want that for you and your baby. Absolutely. I have so many women coming to me with at a younger and younger age now with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition. And not that gluten directly affects it for everyone, but I can tell you the women I take off gluten, their antibodies starting coming down a lot faster. And it's so inflammatory to the digestive system. And there are studies that at least for women with celiac and maybe even you know more major gluten reactions and sensitivities that there can be issues with with miscarriage and other birth issues. So I think across the board, reducing inflammation in the digestive system is really important. 
before getting pregnant. Yeah, before I realized I was gluten sensitive, I eventually started making the connection that every time I would eat gluten, I'd have this terrible stomach ache for hours. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh, it's it's the bread. <laughs> when <laughs> right. I eat bread, I don't feel good. Okay. <laughs> so I should, maybe I should stop hitting my head on the, uh, hitting a, my head with a hammer. And then a couple other points I'd like to make about nutrition. Uh, one that I don't know if everybody thinks about that often, but are oils and healthy fats. So staying away from processed vegetable oils is huge. They really cause inflammation in the body. And from a nourishing standpoint, before and during pregnancy, I feel like uh, extra virgin olive oil, extra virgin coconut oil, grass-fed butters and ghees are much better source, and even avocado oil, much better nourishing source of healthy fats than a lot of the processed oils out there, which are in so many products. And that brings me to the last point, which is that processed foods in general, the more you can cut that down in your diet, the better off you'll be health-wise. Yes. Yeah. And let's talk about folic acid and prenatal supplements. So folic acid is generally recommended by most medical doctors and gynecologists, women that are wanting to get pregnant. Um, Talk about what women should actually be taking and why. Well, deficiency of folic acid has been associated with spinal cord defects. So it's very important to have normal levels. What we are finding is that folate in or excuse me, folic acid in its pure natural form that is highly absorbable is actually in a form called methylfolate. Most supplements now, most prenatals have folic acid. Certain genetics suggest that women are hardy enough that the regular folic acid form in certain prenatal vitamins is probably okay. But many women, because of their genetics and then absorption issues, do much better with folic acid in a form that's called methylfolate. And fortunately, there are many, many brands of prenatals now that do have folic acid in a methylfolate form. Yeah, and yeah. It, yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, some women can handle it, but, you know, I think there's I think roughly 30% of the population, they can't take that folic acid, which is a B vitamin, and convert it into the methylated form to even use it. So it's about 30%. So unless you know uh, that you're you're not in that percentage, it's just better to err on the side of caution and do a methylfolate vitamin. And interestingly, their their thoughts now as well are that if you do have those genetics, that 30%, you probably also want to be taking one gram or even more, 1.2 up to 1.6 grams of methylfolate a day in pregnancy, not just 400 to 800 micrograms. So it's also a higher, higher dose. That's a good point. Yeah. And also in prenatal vitamins, they tend to be really high in iron or higher in iron than a regular multivitamin. Is that recommended? That's a really great question. For many women, yes. Many women, uh, because of their menstrual cycles and how much they may bleed every month, have lower iron levels. And then it is really important because anemia and pregnancy can cause all kinds of issues. So that little bit of iron every day in the prenatal can often help prevent that. That being said, there are a number of genetic disorders where people do not process iron well or have a partial or full defect called hemochromatosis and they store too much iron in their liver and their levels are always high and then they should never be taking a supplement that has iron in it. So on average, most women, it is not a bad thing to have a little bit iron in the prenatal, but then there are some reasons to take a prenatal without iron. Yeah. And so let's talk about gut health. And so what ways can we optimize gut health to, you know, improve fertility and uh, have a healthier pregnancy? 
Well, you know, the first point would be, and as we already discussed, is really diet and reducing sugar and inflammatory gluten in the diet is, is really helpful. Then from there, what I would say is organic food is really important. The amount of herbicides and pesticides in non-organic food in this country, it's so high and that in itself can inflame the digestive system and bring in other toxins as well. So I think organic food, non-processed food, other great ways to heal the gut. And then a third point, because many of us have weakened immune systems in specifically in the digestive tract because of our diet and living in urban environments where we're not running around in the woods anymore, eating soil and and getting in contact with, with a greater diversity in the ecosystem when we are younger, we don't have as strong immune systems in the gut. So a lot of us have an overgrowth of candida and yeast and parasites. So if you have any digestive issues, figuring out if that's something going on and then working with a functional medicine or some type of licensed health care practitioner to help with that would be really important. And are there any kind of cleanses that you'd recommend before getting pregnant? So, you, you know, liver or candida cleanses or anything of, thing of that nature? Yes, both of those. I, liver, the nice thing with both of them is they can be gentle and over a very long time just by doing the right things for nutrition and then for the liver eating bitters and foods and vegetables that support the liver or doing it in a more serious way, taking some herbs and supplements along with a clean diet to help rebalance your gut a little bit more quickly. So, And what would your, your top tips be? So like anyone that's uh, wanting to get pregnant or you know planning for pregnancy, what would your top tips be to kind of clean up their environment and prepare for pregnancy? Great question about the top 10 tips. Number one would be start working on uh, childhood in family issues. So that's actually the emotional part. You know, once you have a kid, there's so little time. So if there's any relational issues, childhood traumas, things that are affecting you on a more mind, body, spirit level, it's a great time to start working on that before getting pregnant. And some women see therapists, there's all kinds of healers out there now that can really help support emotionally. And then the next point to me, number two would be learn physical and emotional self-care. I don't know any woman that becomes a mom and doesn't start neglecting themselves to some level and sleep goes down the drain for at least the first year or so after having a child. So at least learning inherently what you need to take care of yourself is so important and it will help prevent and reduce depression and adrenal fatigue and exhaustion down the road. And then number three, eating organic and non-GMO food because of the reasons we talked about with reducing toxin exposure and just overall getting in more nutrients. Um, number four, and we talked about this, the nutritional changes are incredibly important. No processed foods, healthy fats and oils only like we discussed, getting sugar out of the diet, getting commercial dairy out of the diet, getting gluten out of the diet, and then eating also a lot of... Um, if for those who aren't vegan, but bone broths and more nurturing foods for the body as, as you're trying to prepare for pregnancy. Uh, number five, cleaning up your home from toxins, like we discussed. And again, you, you know, from an emotional standpoint, not feeling like you have to do it overnight and spend all this money. It's just a slow <laughs> transition over yes. time. Rome yeah. was not built in a day. <laughs> no, right. Rome was not built in a day. But, you know, start thinking about organic 
food, if you get your house painted, get the low VOC paints, start slowly changing out your shampoos, conditioners, soaps, makeup over time as you run out of things, slowly change out your cleaning products. These are all really, really important steps. Um, and then number six, sleep and rest. I think in the 21st century, so few of us really understand what good sleep is. And if you can really start to get a good eight hours, eight and a half hours of sleep a night, or at least try and be in bed that long. I mean, so many people lie down expecting they have to get out of bed five, six hours later, even sometimes. And I'm, I'm sure binging on Netflix doesn't help, <laughs> but that's such an important step. And learning how to rest some because the body does need to regenerate and we're always on the go now. And then number seven would be cleaning up your gut as needed. And that would be including what I mentioned before of getting rid of uh, yeast and parasites if you have an issue with those, or if you've had too many antibiotics in your life and you don't have enough healthy bacteria, uh, working on that with, with a healthcare practitioner is a great idea. Yeah, because you pass on your, your bacteria to your child. So if they have a healthier microbiome, they're just generally going to have a healthier immune system and better health in general. Absolutely. And it's interesting, as much as there's you know a lot of discussion back and forth about how good probiotics are. One area that we see again and again that it's very important is in pregnancy and nursing. So I tell women to start even before pregnancy in a good probiotic. Studies are showing when women take a quality probiotic in pregnancy and in nursing that there's a good 20% reduction in eczema and allergies. So really, really important. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that when my daughter Winter was a baby, I was giving her baby probiotics. And then maybe about year three, she was three years old, I wanted to take her to an allergist. And I was just curious, I just wanted to see if she had any allergies that maybe are there some foods she should be avoiding. And she wasn't, she didn't have any allergies. She was like slightly allergic to oatmeal. And the doctor said he almost never sees that. And it's because oh, so I, I had given her probiotics. It just wiped out any potential allergies she might have had. I suffered uh, with a lot of allergies, taking tons of allergy medicine growing up all through childhood. So I just wanted to just, I assumed she was going to have a ton of allergies. But I, I wiped them out, I think, with the probiotics. Oh, that's great. And, you know, these studies are so interesting, too, because it's how the mother is conferring some kind of immunity to the child by taking oral probiotics themselves. It's so interesting in pregnancy and in nursing. I don't think we totally understand all of it, but it's it's fascinating. And yes, there are so many great probiotics for mom and for even newborns and babies now and um, toddlers and moving on up in years. But there's there's a lot of terrific probiotic options out there at this time. What's awesome about planning for pregnancy is you're reading all these baby books and you just get that message over and over and over. You got to detox your home. You have to buy products for baby. You have to get out all the fragrance, all of the, you know, you know, healthy baby clothes, organic cotton baby clothes. And, you know, you really start thinking about everything in your environment. And this is what really propelled me on my journey to start detoxing and start really paying more attention to what I'm putting on and in my body. So having a baby is planning for a baby is a wonderful place to begin really thinking about this because you have to be more concerned about what you're putting on and in your child because they're dramatically more effective than we are as adults. Absolutely. And from a fertility standpoint, there's so many chemicals and then mercury, as I mentioned, which is a heavy metal that 
can affect fertility directly by confusing the hormones in our bodies. So it's so important for fertility as well to keep a cleaner environment around us. So you told us about seven tips. So what are your next three, your last three? So number eight, um, avoid too much heavy metal contamination. And that would be by avoiding heavy metals in certain foods, which I'll talk about in a moment. And then clean water. So getting a really good reverse osmosis with carbon block filtration system in the house is a great idea. It filters out heavy metals and arsenic and a lot of the pharmaceuticals and other chemicals in water that are water plants. And even though they do a great job of filtering the water, the city water plants, they they can't keep up with how toxic our planet has become. So it's always good to get an extra water filtration. And then avoiding foods too, too, foods too high in heavy metals like um, tuna and larger fish, and then uh, certain wines, although of course once you're pregnant you want to be drinking wine anyway, but wines can be very high in heavy metals unless they're from Italy, Argentina, or Brazil. And then uh, rice can also be very high in arsenic. California basmati rice is a lot lower in arsenic levels. So just some things to think about. And then number nine, drink lots of clean water. Number 10, balance, rest, and exercise. So those would be my top 10 tips. So is there anything else you want to add to the conversation that maybe we haven't touched on regarding detox and pre-pregnancy planning? Absolutely. I have um, a supplement list I usually recommend. And there's one that's in actual pregnancy, but I tell women really get started on these supplements. A, to find ones that you that don't bother your stomach, that you feel good on, that are right for your genetics, and then start taking them before you even try and get pregnant. You know, a lot of women get pregnant and then they start taking a prenatal. My, my suggestion is get yourself tested for these methylation defects, which even regular labs like LabCorp and Quest can do now. They're called MTHFR defects. And then if you know that, take a prenatal that's methylated. Uh, there are a number of good brands for that. And, and one that suits you, if, if you can't take iron, don't get one with iron. If you need the iron, get one with iron. And then only a few prenatals have enough calcium and magnesium in them. So a lot of times I tell women to supplement with at least an extra 500 milligrams of calcium a day and uh, around 200 to 300 milligrams of magnesium a day. And the American Pregnancy Association is actually now recommending a total of 4,000 IU, international units of vitamin D a day. Most prenatal supplements only have anywhere from 400 to 1,000 IU. So additional vitamin D3 supplementation is really important. And then uh, omega-3s. There are studies uh, linking omega-3s and also reduced risk of certain um, immune and, and allergy dysfunction. And there's e even a study showing that there's a, a 31% reduction in egg allergy when women take omegas in pregnancy. And you only need about a gram a day of um, total of EPA and DHA and a minimum of 300 milligrams of DHA. And you can get ones that are third-party tested, high quality, don't have heavy metals in them. So those are all really important things. And then lastly, choline, which actually can be found in eggs, but uh, chol choline is in very important too in pregnancy and not all prenatals have that. And then we already discussed probiotics. You should start those now. Find one that you, your, your tummy likes, that you feel good on, that has at least 10 billion colony forming units and a really wide range of different strains. I tell people to get with at least 10, 11 different strains. And then the other supplements I talk to women about thinking about not in and definitely not to take in pregnancy, but before are, you know, gentle liver detoxing teas, like stinging nettle tea, turmeric tea, 
dandelion tea milk thistle teas you can drink teas every day or take bitters every day those are great for the liver um and eat a diet very high in vegetables and and good low sugar fruits like berries that's always very good for the the liver and then immune system support there are a lot of great herbs out there for immune system um elderberry garlic astragalus olive leaf, oregano. There are a lot of great herbs you can take just to really bolster immune system. And that's not something you would take in pregnancy, but so you might as well do it before. And then lastly, and this is also not in pregnancy, but before, and I think I mentioned this, is doing some kind of a very gentle heavy metal mercury detox. And that means A, getting the amounts of the current quantity you have in your diet reduced, as we discussed. But then also, you know, a lot of sea vegetables like spirulina and chlorella and seaweeds can be really good to gently help reduce the metals in the body. And then foods high in vitamin C are good for detoxing heavy metals out too, garlic and onions. There are a lot of like gentle, natural ways. A lot of women um, like to take a really quality source of chlorella. It can be a little constipating, but it's a great way to very gently, gently get mercury out of the system over months to years. Yeah, and I mean, the top five detox foods are garlic, uh, ginger, onions, and um, broccoli sprouts, and egg yolks. So those, yeah. are, those are the best detox foods you can, t- you can be eating to help you detox naturally. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and so what about detoxing during pregnancy and during breastfeeding? I get this question a lot. You know, can I take detox supplements while I'm breastfeeding or is there anything I can do while I'm pregnant because some you know women start having awareness of their need to detox while they're pregnant what are your thoughts on that you know there's so much we don't fully know about what is going to affect the outcome of a pregnancy and delivery and labor can be so difficult anyway but what I would say is this nutritionally there is so much you can do to detox in pregnancy, meaning, you know, a little bit of ginger. The studies show ginger is great for nausea. You just don't want to do more than about a gram a day in pregnancy, but some ginger, garlic, onions, uh, cilantro, parsley, and a lot of really good uh, cooking spices are a great gentle way to detox every day and bolster the immune system. So just, you know, cooking gently with, with spices, not the hot kind of spices that burn your mouth, but but seasonings uh, is one great way. And then also to support your liver in pregnancy, you know, you can't do wrong with a rainbow of vegetables. And many women I find tend to crave more fruit in pregnancy. So provided they don't have um, blood sugar issues or aren't getting into diabetic gestational issues, that having some fruit in the diet is a great idea too, because there's so many minerals and nutrients and it can be, for example, like apples are very great for, for gently detoxing the liver. Yeah. So they have malic acid in them, which really helps the liver. Yeah. And you can even get dandelion, fresh dandelion and cut it up and add it to your salad. They're just gentle ways. And as I mentioned, and this is especially true in pregnancy, rather than doing a real intense cleanse, just gentle, gently daily eating foods that are detoxing to your system is really the best way to go. And then, of course, avoiding exposures. Yeah, because, you know, we are, we're detoxing every day, uh, even if we're not actively doing a cleanse or even if we're pregnant. Your body has detox mechanisms that are always active to try to, you know, shuttle out toxins. So you just want to ramp those up as much as possible. It's perfectly safe doing that with foods. 
Yeah, and even exercise. Of course, you don't want to, you never want to start doing more exercise when you're pregnant. So you want to train and be healthy before pregnancy. But you don't want to suddenly ramp it up. But just in general, exercise, they've done some interesting studies looking at heavy metal levels in the urine after exercise. It seems like they go up. So your body kind of dumps heavy metals and exercise some too. So exercise is a great way to detox as well on a daily basis. Yeah, I had zero danger of that happening when I was pregnant, of <laughs> exercising. <laughs> yeah, most women don't have the energy. The best thing to do is sleep a lot. And then sleep itself. Sleep is so important for the body detoxing and regenerating. And most women say they have to drag themselves out of bed in the first trimester anyway. So Yeah, yeah I slept a lot, <laughs> definitely when I was pregnant. Yeah, and I just, I couldn't exercise very much because when I would start exercising, if I got hot, I'd get super nauseated. I was like, well, there goes that. I might as well just lay around. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, and that, that actually brings me to a great other point, which is hydration. That's a great way to also keep your body clean in pregnancy. And it's really important, too, to, to prevent preterm labor is to keep yourself properly hydrated. Yes. And then in lactation, you know, the interesting thing is there are some herbs you can take in lactation. A lot of those mother's milk teas, some of the herbs in those teas actually are really good for the liver. So just a really gentle, easy way to do liver detox when you're nursing is to do the certified mother. Like the, I don't know if I can see the brand, but just there are a whole bunch of great organic, of course, organic herbal mother's milk teas that help breast milk, but are actually supportive to the liver as well. Yeah, a lot of them have fenugreek seed uh, that are exactly. trying to support the the breast milk and whatnot. I took those. I'm trying to get more milk. Yeah, and so so tell us a, a little bit more about you. How can w- women work with you that are wanting to do pre-pregnancy planning and detoxification? How do they find you? I'm in Los Angeles and in Santa Monica. Uh, the easiest way to reach me, well, there are a couple of ways. Actually, one is through my Instagram, Dr. Ashley Health. And I also have a lot of what we talked about in different forms on environmental exposures and detox on that website or on that account. And then my my website is www.drashleysolomonmd.com, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-A-L-O-M-O-N-M-D.com. And there is a phone number there to my clinic, to the front desk of my clinic. And then I also have a whole bunch of videos on these topics. It's on YouTube. It's just on the channel, Dr. Ashley. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Ashley Salomon, thank you so much for coming on the show. So appreciate you imparting our knowledge to us. This is a topic I really haven't talked about enough, but I get a lot of requests and I just, I just don't have any blog posts about it, but it's really, really important because, you know, women that are of childbearing age need to be thinking about the toxic body burden that they have that they could pass on to their child in doing something about it. Don't wait to take action. Cause you know, I wish I had been more aware of pre-pregnancy planning. I wish I had gotten my metals and my high levels of aluminum and arsenic and uh, uranium and mercury and other metals that I had in me out before I got pregnant. Cause my daughter had a lot of problems um, and had a lot of high metal levels and aluminum and things that caused her some issues that I then had to deal with. And it was extremely stressful. You know, she had an autism diagnosis at one point and uh, she's better now, but that was after, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of intervention and all the stress and uh, everything that came with that. And so you're, you're better off, you know, learning about this stuff, 
detoxing your body and mitigating that risk of your child, uh, you know, dealing with developmental delays and the other things that we know in the research can happen when children's and fetuses developing brains and bodies are exposed to metals and, and hormone mimicking chemicals. Absolutely. Yeah. So everyone, thanks so much for listening. Ashley, thanks for, you know, contributing to the, the toxic conversation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah. And everyone, thanks so much for listening to the Myers Detox podcast, where every week we explore topics related to heavy metal and chemical toxicity. Look forward to talking to you guys next week.